Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Uh, this episode is the final of a four-part series I did at the Tonic Ocean Conferences. Uh, today I had George Banach on. Uh, George is an investor in uh, different solutions for the problems we're facing with in the ocean. Um, so as part of this four-week series, first we define the problem, uh, then we got a little bit more in-depth in with what the problem entails with Daniela Fernandez. Uh, last week with Brent Smith, we got into uh, entrepreneurs actually solving some of the problems. And here we're going to talk about uh, the investment landscape for uh, how we can actually invest in some of these problems, uh, so invest in the solutions for these problems. We don't want to invest in the problems. But uh, yeah, hopefully this is helpful. Uh, this is part of a special series I'm doing. Uh, this conference was very enlightening for me. Hopefully it's enlightening for you as well. Um, Ocean is a huge creative asset that we have as a, as a, as a species and we want to make sure that we hold on to it because um, if not, uh, it doesn't look good for the human race. So uh, yeah, please let me know your thoughts. Find me on Twitter at Stuart Alsop III. Find George. Uh, he mentions it at, at the end of the episode where you can find him. Yeah, have a great day. So welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Uh, my guest here is George Banach. He is the managing partner and co-founder of Hatch, an early stage venture capital and accelerator for aquaculture. And for those of my listeners who don't know, what is aquaculture? Aquaculture is the farming of aquatic species. So for example, the shrimp that you would eat or the salmon you would eat with a high probability comes um, from farming operations. But there are many other species, including seaweed, mussels, oysters, carps in, in Asia, crabs that can be, can be farmed. Mm. And what are the most interesting things that you've seen recently in terms of innovation in aquaculture? So I think we, we obviously see a lot, right? We look, we look global, we look very early stage. Um, so we, we have probably a very good perspective on that. And what is happening in the well, recently, a couple of things. So there's an inflow of Silicon Valley capital, which is interesting. Um, that, that at least opens, brings, of course, more money, but also it, it puts aquaculture on the radar uh, for some other investors. That's though not, not necessarily the innovation. Um, on the innovation side, there are, I think there are now more specific solutions to aquaculture, while for a while it was more using solutions from, for example, wastewater treatment or so, and trying to apply them to aquaculture. But aquaculture needs certain price points, for example, it needs, usually needs to be cheaper, it needs to be not as accurate, that's fine. Often, if we talk about uh, sensing or diagnostics, we're okay with the lower accuracy level because, um, you know, like we are a different step in the food chain or so, and, um, uh, in the supply chain, sorry, but we, we, we need these systems to run very reliably in harsh conditions. Mm -hmm. And so cheap and reliable, that's for sensors, diagnostic tools, I think that's what we're working towards. Mm -hmm. um, so sensing and diagnostic, those, those are the interesting innovations. I think, I think that we, because we transition, the industry is growing massively and some of these organizations also grow. So it's about professionalizing, industrializing some, mm. of, um, some of these operations and that obviously starts with understanding what's, uh, what's happening. And so we often say going from 
uh, from uh, art-based management to science-based <laughs> management. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and uh, you need the insights for that. Yeah, a further conversation we can discuss what is the difference between art and science and whether science can ever be art and whether art can ever be science. But, uh, but for now, I'd, I'd love to bring up this, this, this statistics I saw in there. It might have been even on your slides, which was that 3 billion people uh, now feed themselves off of fish correct or mm. off to the oceans interesting i mean i'm i'm just now putting putting the impact thesis for our fund together and because we're raising raising a, a small fund and i looked at food security mm -hmm. um the definition is uh, affordable available and safe and, and good quality aquaculture i think plays does a very good job on on quality also on safety as long as the food chain, uh, cold chains are uh, maintained well on affordability usually not but mm. there are a couple of species um, that do that especially in asia carp 30 million industry um, that uh, a million tons sorry um, that that is fairly cheap and uh, feeding people and that's farmed that's or, farmed yeah. mm -hmm. that's farmed exactly um i though would highly doubt that we have an in, uh, impact on 3 billion people. Oh, I was saying 3 billion in the ocean in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. always hear these numbers. They're yeah. a big level. You know, like if you look at how many people are, like uh, there was just now a report on, on food security, and I think it's a, a little bit around or around 10% of people who don't have proper access uh, to, to good quality food. And then you overlap that. That is to a large extent in still in Asia, mm -hmm. um, obviously also in Africa. And Africa has not much aquaculture, so only mm -hmm. that stuff that's really happening in Asia would, would have, uh, have an impact there. So our, yes, we, in aquaculture we produce great nutrition. Some of them can be cheap. Not a silver bullet, though, for, for mm -hmm. um, food, food security. security. Interesting. And so another, somebody else mentioned that, that as global warming star or climate change starts to affect uh, more, more fishing, wild fisheries will be north in the polar regions. And then, but then there'll be a black uh, 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 a gap, uh, yeah, a gap in, the, in, the, in the equatorial regions or tropical regions. And then aqua farming can now replace that. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. This is to a large extent where the farming is already happening, right? Um, I was just now on a market, the local market in Jakarta, more just because I like going to fish markets. Uh, but um, you see a big quality difference in farmed versus wild caught. Just because the wild caught is frozen, comes from um, comes from you know boats that go off um, offshore for many days or even weeks. By the time that ends up on the plate. You know, like with these cold chains, sometimes it's it's not very good quality mm -hmm. um, anymore. So uh, I think there there's definitely a very good point. You know, if these vessels need to go out further, longer, um, versus producing it ten kilometers away from the from uh, the fish market, uh, right, is a is a different story. Uh, so absolutely, that gap can can be filled um, and. In those markets, also the the different products are more easily substituted for each other. Mm, interesting. Do you notice in yourself whether you eat farmed fish or or wild fish? <laughs> yeah, I eat all sorts of fish. Uh, <laughs> no, but for me, it's always a little bit dif uh, different. I come from the or coming to the U.S. and yeah. talking about it, right? Like I'm 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 European. Uh, that question or that that 
picture that you know in the US or exists in the US on aquaculture always feels weird to outsiders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we farm all sorts of other animal. Most of the other animal proteins we mm-hmm. eat are farmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fish, yeah, the salmon maybe has a slightly higher fat content. Maybe sometimes the omega three levels are a little bit low. Um, depends on what you eat it for as well. Are you eating it in your three star Michelin restaurant for 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 the taste? Are you eating it for the nutrition? Are you eating it as a replacement of something else? I eat. Uh, both I though look what's what's sustainable in terms of origin interesting and why did you start this fund particularly or, or did, you, did you start it yeah well, why why did you start this what brought you into it personally was the environmental impact you know that mm-hmm. really is why I'm why I'm doing that um, I, I came from a different background on, on biotech and mm-hmm. um, energy and hoping I was hoping to produce renewable energy from biological systems that didn't work out um, and I grew up fishing and having them in tanks and completely crazy about everything fish so that made absolute sense I we're still I'm still and that's also reason part of the reason why I'm here at the moment is to f- learn more about like the actual impact I'm you know I'm really I think I'm starting a column on the fish side I'm I'm really trying to dig deep into what what is aquaculture's role in taking pressure off the oceans and being a more resource-efficient production system um, compared to some other animal proteins? I think within the industry we overhype it a little bit, like we're we're overly positive and maybe biased. So I want to understand that a bit better. But I, so far, it still very much looks like we have that's a great toolbox uh, or tool in our toolbox to to source our food less impactful on the planet mm, interesting and how much of this demand is going to come from the developing world versus the developed world yeah uh, good question the the developed world obviously it's, it's it feels to me a little bit more set, uh, saturated what what in terms of growth though looking for healthy options um, mm. eating less red meat eating more fish I think is still a trend um but the big growth growth drivers for aquaculture in in macro terms are is a growing population that's obviously not coming from the developed world it's it's a growing um level of of income that's also coming from from the developing on uh, or um countries so the the big drivers for growth are are in in asia mm-hmm. and to an extent in Africa, mm-hmm. um, so I think this is where the where the future demand will come from, at least in terms of volume. Mm. What about China? Is how big is China? How big of China is an impact? Yeah. China is still to me a bit of a black box mm. because understanding that or understanding the accuracy of the reported numbers mm. is difficult, um, but huge consumption of seafood, huge production of um, of aquaculture as well. Um, very very important for everything we do in in aquaculture in the long term mm, interesting so it's hard to peer into what's actually going on but obviously they're a big player 
Yes, and you, you simply cannot know if you can trust like the government numbers on trade, on productivity. I guess with that's the same for for, for any sector. Um, yeah, but it's it's still in many cases very rural um, agriculture that you know like pond based systems there and that are farming. So it's maybe also not too easy for them to get accurate uh, numbers on 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 that. Um, but yeah, consumption in some Asian countries is really high um, or was always very high of wild-caught seafood, aquaculture uh, comes in, but the population size is growing, the, their purchasing power is growing. Mm. And so, talking about personal stress, you're you're in this ocean world, and the ocean world, like you're talking about how Silicon Valley comes into, is starting to bring more money into it, but uh, the what I've been getting a lot about from listening to a lot of this is that the ocean is a collective commons, and so... It doesn't have the same financial incentives to build certain businesses that, say, land, land-based, property-based, to kind of give us. Uh, so it's kind of a murky area, and it's uh, not a really well-known one. Um, how is it for you building a fund in this in this in this environment uh, where it's not quite well known among the public? Maybe that's even an advantage. But what what are the stresses that you face in in building this fund? Yeah, good. Good question. I think for us in the first place, it was nice that it's not so known to the public because mm-hmm. if you look at the size of aquaculture, we were talking farm gate value probably north of 200 billion US dollars, right? Like that's that's a decent sized market to be in. You know, then you come to market segmentations and, you know, you obviously need to look in, into the details, but in a sense overlooked. So for us, built up the first accelerator really their early stage we see um, in there we we managed to get to a certain size um, because there was not there were not many other options mm-hmm. stuff so oh my god this is exactly what we need <laughs> or stuff so oh, it would have been so nice if you guys would have been around five years ago <laughs> now we don't need you anymore <laughs> but um, you know you really had, would have saved us two years or so um, so that helps you know that's de-stressing um, then stressing, yes, we need to talk to to investors. We need to educate um, them on that. We are also on the corporate side, talking to these huge multinationals, and sometimes aquaculture is very much within the growth strategy. Sometimes they're more divesting from it. Um, so, so some of that. Um, but well, I don't feel super stressed about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. And so who, can you talk about who your LPs are or the people investing in your fund are? Yeah, I think at the moment, uh, high net worth individuals and family offices, um, we are discussing also, also with strategics, um, industry, um, another trend, right? Like 2015, Cargill entered as the first of the big four, mm. the aquaculture industry with the acquisition of, of EWOS. Um, that CEO is now now actually an advisor to us, but that was the first one of the big four coming into the space of the big agricultural commodity companies. Now all four of them are in there. BP just said they invested in in Calista, so all of a sudden big oil also coming. Um, strategics are very interested in the space. We are very a very small fund, early stage, um, so in some cases for them that makes sense is within the strategy. But the, these family offices, they say, we want to look at this aquaculture over the next 15 years, 20 years is really long-term growth area for us. Uh, we want to have, you know, understand the space better. We want to be exposed um, already or just, yeah, 
individuals that uh, that like it, that like what we do and, mm. and come in. And how much of it is people motivated by making a positive difference versus how much people are motivated by uh, by profit? Yeah, um, we lead on the profit. Mm. That's what we go out uh, with. Um, though we 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 in many cases have the like people are motivated by the impact. I mean that's also as I said where I come from. Um, but we we have to talk and we have to make it work on the profit mm-hmm. uh, side. Yeah. So it's basically the the, the backdrop backdrop is is uh, is positive impact, but the highly specific uh, this is what the value you're getting from is profit. Exactly, and it should be almost like a nice to have. Mm. My idea is we set it up that it is drive driving impact in the sense you know but we're playing absolutely the system here you know we're making money for investors um and that that's simply our 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 job um and the way we set it up though in this industry you know in this with the timing we have uh we believe it can be very impactful Mm, interesting and so what is the time frame that you expect to give get your money back from the investments you're making now so we have a the fund is is open, or it's it's sorry, it's um, total for, uh, duration of ten years. Okay. Um, but we we have an option to extend that by mm. by year um, if we if we need to. Mm. So got a couple minutes left. Uh, anything you're really interested in people knowing, or you want people to understand about Hatch, or just the general industry. What's your audience usually like? Uh, basically, the mix between a hippie and a business person. <laughs> nice, uh, <yeah>. nice. <laughs> that, that's a cool audience. Uh, hello out there. Uh, no, but um, so from a from a business side, or it's it's probably what what I'm quite excited about is is strategy here. Like we are very focused on one vertical. We that allows us to to go and go to all the big companies, you know, big B2B play generally, go to them and ask them what their problems are. I mean, that's what I do. You know, I call them up. I say, we, we meet them and say, what are you looking at? What, what are you, you know, you're probably going to invest in. And they, they tell you because they, they want to see their problems being solved and, and find solutions. So, and then we do surveys, you know, we're really on the ground. We are not like a VC sitting in a fancy office and uh, waiting for deals to come in. Uh, we really, really want to understand what's happening um, and what's realistic. You know, you can come up with great ideas, and, and but then they, they fail out in the field. So, um, I think that, you know, having that understanding of what the market needs, both on the large multinationals, but also on the, on the you know, small-scale farmer side, and then pairing that with a good understanding of what technologies are already out there existing, what's coming up. Um, mm. We have quite a bit of science in our, or scientific mm. background in our, um, in our team as well, so we dig in there and say, okay, does that make sense? And uh, is a lot of the technology coming from universities around the world or from industry? Uh, so for us, we 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 license or not we license out, but the startups that we invested in um, are in a couple of cases spinouts from from universities. Uh-huh. Um, if that deal is done well, I think that's great source of of um, of innovation. But we also would see your typical, especially in our first cohorts. Now we're moving a bit later stage, and the startups and the average age of the founders is more around 40 and um, a bit older but you also would see your your typical young young uh, exactly yeah. young team highly motivated maybe a bit um, 
not, yeah, naive or really yeah. optim- uh, optimistic about <laughs> who it. Been, who hasn't been uh, burned down by reality over and over again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um, that, that there's a mix of that. I think also what we, we see is two types. One is sitting in the Western world and has good access to grant funding, to IP, you know, like to time to develop stuff. Mm. Aquaculture's markets, though, often are somewhere else. Mm. So then our job there is to help them bridge that, get the understanding of, of what that aquaculture market is. And we like technologies that come from other sectors. Oh, can you apply your human diagnostic tool to aquaculture? Mm. Because it was maybe not good enough to go to FDA, but we don't care, but your price is nice um, yeah, or cost uh, point is nice. Um, or you, you were developing um, some kind of bacteria for something and oh, has a pretty high protein content, let's talk, maybe you can put it into, into fish feed, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that, that stuff we, we, we like, that's developed in the Western world and we can help it to, to go into the aquaculture market. On the other side, and that's probably the more, even more interesting one, is like those entrepreneurs who really understand the market, who understand the problem. And I think that's always where we should start. What is the problem you're solving? And that's always what I ask them. And um, and if these startups come from those markets, mm. then... They understand it. Then they understand and they probably yeah. come up with better solution or they're better at implementing the solutions because they already intuitively know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Yeah, that's a really good point. The, the, on your on your presentation, you talked about one company that is really innovating in terms of uh, fish stock because right because a single celled uh, fish. What was that? That, that was on 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 Mike uh, Billings from from uh, from Aquasparks uh-huh. talk. Yeah. That was Callista. So they produce a methane based single cell protein that can be used to replace fish meal. Mm-hmm. Um, so currently, there's still a lot of fish meal being used in the in, in fish farming so boats would go out catch sardines menhaden anchovies um oh, turn it into fish meal then feed it to fish obviously that's not what we want um you know, from a sustainability perspective and then there are all sorts of solutions to potentially replace that fish meal and one of them that many are looking at is like single cell proteins so mm-hmm. proteins from single cell organisms like these bacteria growing on on methane but there are numerous of those uh, potential technologies out there the question is who can supply the cheapest mm-hmm. um, going out catching these sardines in large quantities and That's then cheap. turning them into fish meal is cheap we're talking 1500 1800 um, US dollars per ton mm. farming a or like growing a organism in a reactor pharmaceutical grade reactor or something or at least in a very high capex um, environment it, it's difficult for them you really need to scale up so mm. Calista got got big um, investors in big industrial investors mm. uh, to help them with that interesting that's so interesting how can people find out more about you? How can how can they find out more about the fund? Um, go to hatch.blue. Hatch like uh, hatching an egg and blue like the color. Um, there are a lot of information on, on our program and so on. Um, if you're uh, interested in our fund, uh, send me an email at uh, george, without the E, at hatch.blue. Okay, so G-O-R-G at hatch.blue. Exactly. Cool, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah.